Hello, everybody, and welcome back to that podcast. My name is Ryan Janke, and as always, I'm joined by Sarah DeYoung and DJ. Yes. Pastor DJ Lura is back. DJ, where you been? Well, hold on a second. I gotta, I'm got. i a little slow in the draw. But it, Yay! You're a little rusty with your, with your sound maker. With my sound maker. That's right. I got to get uh, Excalibur out and label it all correctly. <laughs> uh, I am... I'm... I'm I don't know how how to explain how I'm doing. Um, I was I was sick. I I'm recovering. Uh, the the vid the COVID yeah. hit my house like uh, like a meteor, and so um, my wife got sick, and then I got sick, and then both of my girls have gotten sick officially now. Mm. And even the boy, the Teflon boy, who uh, uh, the ninja, yes, just dodges every virus that comes into our house with his ninja like skills. <laughs> Uh, told me last night his head hurts a little bit. Uh, oh, so. and you know the funny thing is, is with the schooling, um, if you get a positive COVID test, you go back to school like two weeks earlier than otherwise. Yeah, and so my oldest has been like, "Come on, positive, positive. I need positive <laughs> so I can get back to school." Um, she just tested positive, and so she's basically already out of her quarantine time oh wow because um because she started showing symptoms like 10 days ago yeah it's a weird thing because you don't want it you don't uh, want it un unless you want to get back to something yeah right you you want it just enough to say that you've had it so you can get back to life as you knew it right you want you you want the street cred <laughs> to be able to say it's almost like i have a friend who her husband her in-laws, her parents have all yeah. tested positive and, and her brother-in-law. Mm -hmm. So like they had Thanksgiving, no problem. And really they're yeah. like, well, what's the worst that's going to happen? You're going to get it. Like, right. Yeah. Yeah. There's one left. So how's everybody feeling? Well, I can say that, um, for myself, I think I've had it the worst out of, out of my family only because I, some people get, get very few symptoms, which uh -huh. is great. Um, that wasn't the case for me. I got, and I've heard people compare it to the flu. It's not like the flu, but in some ways it is. Like mm -hmm. if you've ever had the flu and you get you get the aches and the pains and you feel nauseous and a sore throat and a headache and you know mm -hmm. all, all the all that stuff. Um, I've had every single flu-like symptom imaginable except a fever, mm. and I've had them like one day I have this, mm -hmm. then the next day I have this, but the first one doesn't go away. Oh. And then the third day I have this and the first one doesn't go away. And that's been my um, experience with COVID over the last two weeks. So it compounded on you. Yeah, it did. And it it got bad with the coughing. That was oh. really the worst thing. Cause you, and, and you, if anyone's ever had, if, if you've had asthma, you'll know what I'm talking about. But you almost have to like keep yourself calm because there was a point where if I breathed in far enough, I'd immediately start going into a hacking fit, right? Wow. So <clears throat> that was that was the worst part. And and when I say like the flu, I've had the flu where that's over in a couple of days and you're miserable for a couple of days, but then you're better. Mm -hmm. This just drags on and on and on. Um, and there was a turning point for me though about last Thursday because I've been on a schedule of... Every six hours, I take a I take a um, a uh, Nyquil shot, okay, of cold and flu, <laughs> and then I go back to sleep. Yeah, um, at least that was the pattern for the first week. Uh, by Thursday or Friday last week, so like four four or five days ago, I couldn't sleep. I got up and I took a, a dose at about ten p.m. Mm -hmm. and I went back to bed and I did something. Um, in a little different way, I started to pray like we learned to pray in Alpha okay, uh, on the Holy Spirit weekend. And I just was praying for the Holy Spirit to, to come and to bring healing. And I did that for about four hours. And I got to tell you, that was the most peaceful time. And I really think that's where the turning point came because the mm. next day I could breathe. Mm -hmm. And... Um, I had a little bit of a cough, but it wasn't nearly as bad as it had been. It's just like, I mean, Holy Spirit healing happened um, that evening. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> well, praise God. Yeah. So We're, is it fair to ask, is like man COVID symptoms worse than female COVID symptoms? You know, my wife had just a horrible <laughs> headache for about four days. Mm -hmm. 
and then really started to feel better. But even now, I mean, um, both of us, it, you, you feel run down. Um, exercise just takes it out of you if you if you do any type of exercise. So mm-hmm. even like walking around the block, you're like, whew, yeah. you're all winded like you've ran a marathon by the time <laughs> it's done. Um, me, the, the, I, I yes, but I'm a baby. So yes, I'll say <laughs> well, that. Well, that was my question for it. That's, like, that's, where, that's your roundabout <laughs> yep. way to get there? Yeah. yeah. My wife's a lot stronger than I am. Um, now I'm, I'm to the point where I'm out, I'm out of quarantine. So I'm not, um, contagious. I have a little bit of a cough that even right now, even thinking about, it, I want to cough. Mm-hmm. And I have this weird thing where everything smells stale. Oh. So like some people lose their sense of smell. My, my sense of smell smells like gross stuff. Huh? So that's good well. times. Yeah, good times. Well, we're glad you're back. Thank you very much. And uh, uh, we're also glad to have a guest again. We've had guests the last uh, the last few episodes, yeah. uh, and today we welcome uh, Joshua Lindsay. Uh, Joshua wears. Oh, oh. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, that's that's sound bar. <laughs> Joshua uh, wears many hats, uh, and and I'll list off a few of them. Uh, he's uh, uh, an administrative assistant and teaches several courses at the uh, Master's Baptist College here in Fargo. Uh, He is uh, the station manager for Heaven 88.7 and is also the creator and producer of Ready to Harvest YouTube channel and podcast. Uh, And Joshua, thank you for being here and welcome to that podcast. Well, thanks so much for having me on. Yeah. Pleasure. Did, Did I, in all the hats that I, that I listed, did I miss anything? Uh, there's a few things that don't really matter. That was pretty good. In fact, as far as it relates to the radio station, I am currently in one of our station's offices here, and there is a small chance that uh, the emergency alert system will go off in this room behind me. So you'll probably hear that if that happens. Normally, it's a, a test on a Wednesday sometime between uh, 10 a.m. and noon. So uh, I, I bet we're going to hear a little bit of that as well. Oh, that'll give us right. a little excitement. That'll it's, be all right. That, that's good for radio right there. <laughs> Cool. Well, uh, so uh, Joshua, um, and, and maybe it'd be better for you to, to uh, tell the story, but um, we had done a, a podcast a while back uh, where we mentioned um, uh, baptism. Um, and uh, Pastor DJ, you, you talked about um, rebaptism, I believe. And somehow, some way, Joshua, you stumbled upon that podcast and emailed us. And uh, one thing led to another, and, and here you are. Th- threw down the gauntlet, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's kind of how it worked out. Uh, actually, so I was preparing to make a video, which you guys have seen, and we'll probably discuss on LCMC. And uh, in doing that, you know, I, I, denomination research is my thing for my YouTube channel. So I dug around and I uh, found your interview with um, the service coordinator. And uh, so I watched that all the way through. And then I thought, well, this is an interesting podcast. I mean, if I'm researching a denomination, I had to dig through. And of course, that podcast that you had was titled that podcast about denominations. And I said, well, I mean, that's my thing. So I've got to listen to this one a little bit. (laughs) And actually, what a lot of times we'll do with the YouTube video is I'll go, I'll launch the video and then I'll just open the transcript, which you can do on YouTube. It's amazing how those work pretty good nowadays. And I'll just search through. So I, I was like, I wonder if they said anything about Baptists. So I found that and I uh, just thought I'd leave a comment there. But, um, you know, I even mentioned your podcast in my video on LCMC. So that was uh, that was how I found you guys uh, through the, the denomination, as it were. Yeah, well, we're we're glad you did, and uh, yes, I've watched the the videos, um, and uh, DJ and Sarah, I believe, have as well. And and I will say, they are very very well done. I appreciate it. I appreciate them very much. Yeah, Joshua. I mean, you you really give great respect, I think, to different um, denominations, different faith traditions, in explaining their perspective in their own words, because. I have found for myself, and, and maybe you have in your experience with researching different denominations and talking to, you know, Lutherans and whatnot, that, that often we're separated by a common language, and we speak about faith matters um, and spiritual things in completely different ways. And so we can use the same words and, and mean them differently. Have you, have you found that to be 
something that you've yeah. noticed or? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm sure that we'll uh, have a little bit of opportunity, maybe even as we talk on some issues to discuss some of those places that that is the case. Really, the reason I wanted to start my channel was, for one thing, I, I looked and was trying to find accurate denomination videos. And on a lot of things, there's just not content at all. But everybody that I would find a video on kind of suffered from a credibility crisis because you would watch the video and they would describe somebody. So let's say it was a Baptist discussing a Lutheran. Mm -hmm. But for me, knowing some things about what Lutherans believe, when you would see what they said, you'd say, well, sure, maybe that's a Baptist perspective of what the Lutheran believes. I mean, because they would straight go into apologetics or, you know, polemics. Sure. And uh, but but that's not really what the Lutheran actually believes. So so you have to go to all these different places. Well, what if I want a video about what the Assemblies of God believe? Well, I guess I have to go to another channel and find the one where I can hopefully trust it. And I thought, what if what if instead of um, starting out with just apologetics, Let's try to all get on the same page so we can actually understand what each other believes or claims to believe. Mm -hmm. And then that um, allows us, you know, further, a, a person can take those. And, and I think a lot of people who watch my channel probably are more involved in, okay, now that I understand what that person believes, here's where we disagree. But my focus has more been, let's get that starting point of the conversation open. Now we can understand what these different groups believe from and and they won't dispute it. Like the, the yeah. things that I've made, hopefully on the LCMC, are not things where you'd say, "Oh, you, you misrepresented us." It's like, no, that is what we believe. Okay, now we understand each other, and now we can talk about those differences and why we believe them differently. Yeah. And uh, and and really, on on almost everything that, that I've put on that channel, that's what I've found. I have a lot of comments from people from various denominations. You know, like the Anglican Church in North America had uh, uh, comments from people who are in the denomination on my videos. And um, Christian Missionary Alliance, one of their uh, people actually got on there and said it was good, too. So that encourages me to say, hey, look, we're going in the right direction. And in fact, just last night, I was rewatching one of my videos that I'm preparing to publish and realized that one thing was a little bit off. So uh, I took that down from being ready to publish in a month or so and uh, have to re-edit it because as soon as I find out that something's a little bit mistaken, I, I don't want to uh, keep that out on the channel where everybody would see it. Yeah. Well, let's take a step back and start with our kind of our primary question that we ask all of our guests, and then yeah, then we'll go from there. Yeah, so um, uh, we like to uh, uh, talk when we talk to guests. We like to ask their faith story, and it and it seems like uh, the people who listen regularly really like to hear that too. So, would you mind sharing your faith story with us? Yeah. So uh, I was, I have been everywhere in the U.S. as far as where I've lived. I, I, I was born in Washington State, and my father pastored where, there. Where in Washington State? Uh, Ocean Shores, a little little town on the coast, born in the city of Aberdeen. Okay. Uh, Ocean Shores was the city that my father pastored in. I'm from Stanwood. Okay, yeah. And I've forgotten a lot of the uh, geography since then, so I don't know all the little names. Yeah, sure. Very right cool. on the right on the coast. I like this work. guy. <laughs> I like Joshua a lot. This is good stuff. DJ's just happy to finally get another state representation. Yeah. <laughs> I was always saying if I were to run for president, um, I, I could claim a lot of states as home state and hopefully have that. <laughs> so, and the next one was Iowa, which is uh, until the catastrophe this past uh, season was uh, a good state to have in your belt too. So after I was only six years though in Iowa, my dad pastored 17 years there and I was born there. Uh, seven years in Iowa, where my dad was a pastor of a small country church there, and um, and then a year in Illinois, uh, Wisconsin for six years, and then uh, since 2011, which is, I guess, nine years now, um, been here in the Fargo-Moorhead area. Uh, North Dakota is where I lived, went to college there, and now I actually live in Moorhead right across the border. So that's uh, the lo locations that I've been. And so I grew up in a, in a Christian family, you know, I was involved, in, I recall, in Iowa, where I was pretty young, uh, five years old when we, uh, six years old when we moved there, and, um, and uh, shortly turned seven, that uh, I would be in VBS and things like that. I, I just grew up surrounded by the things of God. And I heard many, many times things about salvation. Uh, there was many times where I would hear, you know, all kinds of topics So you just kind of grow up learning theology from the beginning. And um, there was a profession that I made of, of faith as a young child. I'm, I've told this by others because I don't remember it, it myself. Um, but later on in Wisconsin, I would go to teen camp there, and I heard several um, uh, very good preachers. Our, our teen camps, uh, you know, 
you have three three sermons a day and, and as part of the camp and it's it's a really good opportunity to allow people to examine their faith and so I certainly did um, but uh, I still felt that I was you know on the right track and God actually called me into ministry there which is why I now um, serve at a church and so because of that I try to kind of change my track until that point I was planning on uh, getting involved in more computer things I do computer programming as a as a hobby and uh, so I was thinking about going to a technical college but because of that I decided to go to a Bible college and I looked at several of them and ended up coming up to Masters Baptist College which is actually a pretty small uh, independent Baptist Bible college I looked at a few and this is the one that uh, ended up coming to and uh, completed uh, four years, and then at, at this point, I'm also on staff at the college. Um, but in my in my freshman year here at Masters Baptist College, um, I realized that though I had uh, had times in the past where I ha was told that I had made professions of faith, um, and there were times, you know, I certainly lived a good Christian life. Uh, I did everything that a person was expected to do. I had never made Jesus Christ my savior. I, I was not truly believing in Christ the same way that a person would believe in any other true fact about history. You know, tr trusting the resurrection, serving a living savior. Uh, you know, Jesus is just as real as as you folks are. And, and uh, I realized it was more a religious part of my mind and not something that I had made reality. And um, in a class on salvation that's actually taught by our pastor, Pastor Skeving, uh, I uh, realized that. And so that was my moment of salvation. And uh, since then, the, the Lord has really uh, allowed me to continue to grow in, in faith and grow in uh, understanding of, of the Bible. And theology is an area that I've been really excited to just continue to learn on. And in fact, being at the college, you know, the goal is to be taught things. And I found I learned some things, but teaching or even the YouTube channel where I'm teaching, I found the motivation to learn is even stronger. And I bet probably you all have the same experience. Um, when you're being taught because you have to be taught, sometimes it's uh, you don't get quite as much as when all of a sudden you realize that you have the responsibility on your shoulders for teaching others. So um, that's that's kind of my story up to up to this point. Cool. Thank you. Thanks for sharing that. Um, well, now that we're past that, um, the, uh, I'd, I'd like to go back to, uh, the, the, the reason that, uh, you reached out in the first place, which was the, the, uh, uh, rebaptism comment that was made. You had a, uh, uh, you, I think you, you, uh, wanted to have a chance to sort of explain that, um, and, and, uh, I'd like to give that to you. Well, I'd like to go back and, and help me to understand exactly what the question, what the, com what the comment was. That's what I'm curious about. So I, I remember we were talking about baptism, not Baptists or Lutherans, but then speaking about um, some of the differences in denominations uh, happen because there are differences in understanding baptism. Yeah, absolutely. And so for Lutherans, uh, baptism is God's first and final promise on the sinner and that sin is something that is inborn in us from from the point of of being born and therefore um, we believe teach and confess that uh, babies as well as adults need to receive baptism um, as a means of grace not as death insurance but as as for life, that it's God's first and final promise on you. And the assumption then becomes that that child will be raised in the Christian faith and live into the faith that's given as a gift. Um, whereas, um, and, and you tell me where I'm wrong here, because I'm just kind of kind of going off of my head as of what I remember from the conversation, that uh, the reason, another re of the reasons why Lutherans do that is because we believe in, in, a uh, or we confess a bound will, whereas other denominations like like Baptists in general, which I believe so, there's some Baptists that are that are predestination, I believe, but for the most part, um, they uh, uh, Baptists will honor a free will, and therefore there's the the onus is to come to a moment of faith a confession of faith before baptism happens. And this is referred to as believer baptism. And 
usually does not happen until um, the the young adult, the adolescent, or the adult has that that coming to Jesus moment first. Am I am I off on that? Uh, yeah, everything everything that you have said is accurate. Um, and and yeah, Baptists. There are Reformed Baptists who are believe in predestination. There are also those that call themselves Free Will Baptists, which would be entirely in the Arminian camp. Um, a good portion of Baptists, both in say the Southern Baptist Convention and also most all Independent Baptists, are neither entirely Calvinist or Arminian. Uh, for myself, for example, I would hold the doctrine, which is also different from most Lutherans, that would be called you know, once saved, always saved. Sure. Um, so that would normally be affiliated with like a more Calvinist understanding. But we also do hold that there is human free will. Um, and, you know, we, we believe that uh, God has not predestined people entirely apart from belief in Christ for who would be saved, but that he's predestined that all who would believe in Christ uh, would be saved. And, and so forth. So there is that. Yeah. As far as the um, baptism question relates, and you're correct. I mean, like your understanding and, and really the correct Lutheran understanding of Baptist baptism would be for Lutherans to, rec- to say that Baptists rebaptize, right? That, that is correct from that theological viewpoint. Uh, and that comes to some of those same points. But from the Baptist perspective, we don't rebaptize. Okay. Um, because from the Baptist perspective, uh, baptism of infants is not just illicit, but invalid, and so is not considered to be a baptism. Sure. Uh, so a, a baptism after salvation would be the first one. And, and in the same case, there are people like myself, for example, um, after my first profession of faith when I was young, I was baptized in Iowa. Um, but when I uh, truly got saved here in North Dakota, uh that baptism now is is invalid because it was a baptism that was not of a believer, mm-hmm. and so I was baptized, not rebaptized from the the Baptist understanding, but baptized for the first time because the last time I just got thrown under the water, the same as if I took a bath, because baptism comes after salvation. So sure. yeah, I think from present, presenting it from the Lutheran perspective, you're correct that Baptists <clears throat> baptized from the Baptist perspective, and really from from what I've seen, any organized denomination. Um, or a group of individuals that you know have an organized theology other than a few small scattered congregations, there's almost nobody that actually practices rebaptism from their own perspective. Mm-hmm. There are a few people who like, you know, just maybe non-denominational folks and they'll go over to Israel or something and just get baptized in the Jordan. But that's not really a systematized theology that they have there. Right. Almost everybody else though will will um will not consider what they're doing rebaptism, although almost every Christian group will actually put people under the water again, including you know Catholics and, and most Lutherans probably wouldn't accept Mormon baptism or non-Trinitarian baptism by like a oneness Pentecostal. That that is that is correct. If it's not a if it's not tied to the, the ecumenical creeds, then it's not considered a valid baptism by Lutherans. That's right. So yeah, so that that basically covers the the difference that that was uh there relating to that you know what i find really interesting is that um from from one's own perspective uh we're all named pejoratively by our so-called enemies so like um lutherans is not the not what luther ever wanted the church to be called he wanted to be called the christian church or or evangelical you know the evangelical movement uh, but you get named by your enemies, and the Catholics said, oh, those Lutherans, and it's stuck. Well, then the Lutherans, um, um, after the Reformation, there was, there was what's called a radical Reformation, and that's where the so-called Anabaptist groups came out of that ended up becoming the Mennonites and the, and the Amish, and, and to a lesser degree, pretty much every Armenian-leaning um, uh, faith tradition has some influence from from the theology that came out of the Radical Reformation. But they get named by the Lutherans Anabaptists because yeah. of just what and, you're saying. And, of course, Anabaptist itself, meaning rebaptism is, you know, not exactly their own viewpoint on the theology. Exactly. I mean, even, even Christians, you know, the Bible says they were called Christians first at Antioch. doesn't say they chose that name for themselves. So. Right. That's been that way all the way around. Uh, before that, they were Mandalorians. <laughs> this is the way. Yeah, I'm a yeah, mask. I'm a mask Delorean. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, 
this this kind of uh, leads to my uh, the question that I had, and this um, I've had this question for a while, but once I found out Joshua that that you wanted to come on the show, that we wanted to have you on the show, um, I I was I purposely waited, uh, and this question comes from someone very very dear to me. It's my grandma had this question, and so I'd like both of your perspectives on this, um, and probably um, so. She uh, uh, had six, well, she had uh, eight siblings. Uh, in 1946, there was a house fire, and six of them died in that fire. Uh, she grew up a, a Baptist, uh, and she said that at the time that, you know, they would, um, you got baptized, as you said, um, after you, um, I don't, she said there was some sort of ceremony that they would have to go go through, uh, and then, and then they would get baptized. Uh, five of those six siblings were not baptized. Uh, and she has for years wanted, um, she wants to know if, if her siblings went to heaven and anytime she asks the question, she sort of just gets the old, Oh, of course, of course, you know, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. And it's never been a satisfactory answer for her, uh, as to what happened to her siblings. And so uh, uh, I told her that I would ask the question on the podcast and uh, hopefully get the, you know, a, a, a more clear answer for her. All right. Who's going to take it first? You want to take it <laughs> first? do paper, rock, scissors? <laughs> well, I mean, uh, coming from the Baptist tradition, if you, if you could speak to that from, from a Baptist perspective to a Baptist, you know, what would you say? Oh, yeah, and absolutely. And this is... I mean, I almost anticipated a question similar to this as being one of those points. Uh, if a Baptist and a Lutheran get talking together about the differences in their theology, you will eventually come down to this. And it's one of those worldview questions where a lot of times you think, well, here's the Baptist or here's the Lutheran perspective. But uh, in the Baptist worldview, which is, of course, a subset of the Christian worldview is the Lutheran worldview is also uh there's a lot of little differences along the way that lead to the final answer. So you almost have to step back and, you know, explain some of those. Um, for example, the, I mean, probably the biggest one as relates to this question altogether is that baptism is not considered to be a sacrament in Baptist exactly. circles. We don't That's have right. sacraments. We have ordinances. Right. So there is no saving grace that comes through baptism. A baptism is not creating faith in anybody. Uh, it's, it's symbolic in the same way that we view communion to be symbolic. Um, so because of that, you know, obviously if baptism is supposed to come after a person's salvation anyway, um, then th that would mean that baptism is not something that is required for that salvation. So as far as a person saying, well, because they didn't have baptism, then there's something incorrect as far as their salvation, you know, there's a difference in our viewpoints there. Um, for example, the question of in, uh, original sin. Um, baptism is not connected in Baptist theology to original sin. Um, original sin is taken away the same way that all sin is taken away through that moment of uh, trust in Jesus Christ and in his work on the cross to fulfill God's demand for righteousness and a death penalty uh, for, for every sinner. Um, so now, that does not, of course, answer the question about what about those children then? Because although Baptists don't view it as necessary for them to be baptized, uh, we do profess that a, a person would need to be saved um, in order to go to heaven, right? Uh, that there be a moment, a particular moment of salvation, a salvation experience, born again experience um, is part of our theology. And, and so that's missing there. Part of that um, discussion relates to when God talks about how he judges the wicked. Uh, he says, because the things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. For example, people have, know that there's a creator. They're judged because they refuse the things that they can see. But young infant children, you know, presumably can't, right? So there does seem to be less of a accountability for a person who has absolutely nothing. And, and you might think of like a similar parallel question about people who've never heard the gospel and we would say, well, God, God has presented everything they need to see in, in creation for them to at least recognize uh, that there is a God. Um, so they have enough to condemn them, if not enough to save them. But for young children, they can't see that at all. Um, and in this area, it's one of those things where we, 
I don't think that we have a solidly constructed doctrine that we'd say this is, you know, something that would be put in a creed, and Baptists aren't creedal either or, or confessional. We don't have confessions. I mean, there are some, uh, especially like you said, the Calvinistic Baptists have their particular Baptist confessions, but um, most independent Baptists, and, and in fact, even groups like the Southern Baptist Convention, even though they do have a uh, statement of, of faith that they use, or the individual congregations aren't required to hold to it. But um, because because we don't have any creed or statement like that, even if we were to, I don't think that this is such a solidly creedal um, statement that you'd put solidly. But really, when we just evaluate the whole of Scripture and we see a few hints, we begin to form together something that you've probably heard of, which is the, the idea of an age of accountability, um, to which a person who can't see, uh, you know, clearly see, like God says, is the reason he'll even condemn people because the eternal things of him are clearly seen. People who can't see that uh, are are held unaccountable um, up up until the point where they are able to see those things. And we would use as some examples the case of uh, like David in the Old Testament, where he says that the young child that had died, he said, um, you know, I will I will go to him. He shall not come to me, but I will go to him. So David seemed to anticipate a time when he would in the future see that young child again. Um, and, and uh, that you know, child was, was born dead, not circumcised, I guess, if you'd want to make the parallel there, although that would be another area of <laughs> contention about whether baptism and circumcision are equivalent in the new covenant. But uh, those are the things that we'll obviously bump up against. But so for, for most Baptists, myself included, we would say uh, young children dying are before the age of accountability. Um, so we will see them in heaven. There you go. Okay. Yeah. So, um, I think um, hearing where Joshua was going, I think I think we would say the same thing. Baptism is, like I mentioned before, baptism is not death insurance. Um, baptism is for this life. It's a promise for us to hold on to when the devil is lying to us, telling us that God doesn't love us, that God won't be merciful to us, um, throwing our sins in our face. We can turn and look to the promise of our baptism, because for Lutherans, the means of grace or the sacraments are nothing more than a physical gospel that you can grab a hold of. And, and hearing what Joshua was saying, it's the gospel that saves. Um, it's the word of God that saves. And that's where we should go, especially when something happens that would make us speculate about God's grace. Um, there's this distinction in Lutheran theology between God hidden and God revealed. Um, God hidden, as I've mentioned before, um, to us is always scary, and we cannot distinguish between God and the devil where God chooses to be hidden because it's where God is wrathful. It's where God is... It seems like God is against us. We just We can't, we can't grab a hold of God there. Um, one area of theology that this falls into is trying to wrap your head around the idea of predestination. For Lutherans, we don't talk about predestination the way Calvinists do as absolutely one or the other salvation or damnation. We speak of election, which is God knows what he's doing in his hiddenness, but you don't know what God's doing in his hiddenness. So where, where can we go to meet God and to discover God in our own life? We have to go where God has revealed himself, which is in the word, in Jesus Christ. And so in speaking about people who, are, uh, who die before they are baptized, because as Lutherans, we can look to baptism and say, there's a promise that was given to this person. And so we're going to trust in the promise more than we are the person. Um, because God promises that those who believe and are baptized will be saved, then we will trust that promise as far as that person is concerned. But what happens if you're not baptized? Okay, well, what does the word say? What does scripture say? I would go to two places. First of all, how old were the children? Were they babies? Uh, they, they ranged in age uh, from yeah, very young up to, uh, I think, 12, 13 yeah, and so so my my question first of all would be, did they believe in Jesus? Yes. Um, well, Scripture says if you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and confess with your lips that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. That is an that is an absolute future promise. 
you will be saved. Um, but I'd go to the words of Jesus himself who says, let's say that a, a child dies before they're baptized, before they've had that moment of, of confessing their faith. Um, and just, just so you know, um, Joshua, Lutherans are all for, for accepting Jesus as, as personal Lord and Savior as well. We just speak of, speak of the language a little bit differently um, yeah. as more of a passive acceptance rather than an active Sure, like a moment choosing. Theology. Right. And in, in the Lutheran tradition, we call this confirmation. That at, at confirmation age, 13, 14, 15, uh, our young men and women will, will stand up before the congregation and say, yes, this is what I believe. I believe in God the Father Almighty. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. And that he is my Lord and Savior, and I want him to, to – be my Lord and Savior my entire life, and I'm ready to take the responsibility of that faith. That's what, that's what we call confirmation. I kind of think of Baptists put confirmation before baptism, and Lutherans put baptism before confirmation. So we reverse, but they're, they're in both right. of the faith traditions. And just have different. Yeah, maybe one of the differences there would be presumably the, the person being confirmed it, it was not the initial moment of their faith. Right. Um, whereas the what you would want to call the Baptist confirmation, right? The initial moment of faith is not not really a scheduled event, but really that moment in time in which a person does accept Jesus Christ as Savior. Exactly right. Uh, baptized in the Holy Spirit is way, the way that I've heard it put too. Uh, yeah, and the biggest the biggest thing that you know, Baptists and we are notoriously known for being very concerned about soteriology, um, you know, being our biggest focus. You know, to the ex- to the exception of. Um, social, social justice and things like that will, you know, focus on the person's salvation. Mm-hmm. And um, the big thing that we're focused on is making sure there is that authentic time when a person has truly believed and that the, 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 what takes place at that moment is something by faith alone in, in Jesus Christ. And that a person's trusting, you know, if we, a, a common statement that was made if Baptists go door to door, trying to evangelize, they might tell a person, if you were to die tonight and you were to show up at the door of heaven and Jesus shows up there and he says, why will I let you into heaven? Um, you know, we ask that question to a person and, and yeah. the response tells a lot of things. You know, will the person say, well, because Jesus Christ died for me and I trust in him and I, follow, I accept his promise that when he said, you know, if whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Yeah, now that's one thing. But if we go to the door and the person says, well. I was confirmed or I was baptized or sure. I did this or that. That's where we're more concerned there. What is and, your what is your faith resting in? You know, what yeah. the first one you had a confession of Christ alone. Uh, the second one is a confession of either something that I've done or something that was done to me. So right. yeah, I mean it's it's it you're you're pinpointing you're pinpointing right to the heart of the matter. Um you know, the answer, it's one thing that I'll say to our, our confirmation kids. I said, if you want to sum down everything about what it means to be a Christian, to come to what is it that we are to confess when, you, when the rubber hits the road? Christ. That's the answer to every question. Christ. Um, yeah, and I, I liked your quotation there of the scripture where you talked about even in that situation, you know, whoever trusts and believes in Jesus Christ, we, we would appeal to the same thing. You know, there's a whole lot of scriptures that just list belief, right, as that right. sole criteria for salvation. I mean, yeah. you can look them up. There's just dozens and dozens of them, you know, and John 3.16 obviously being one of the most common. Yeah. So even if we do look at other passages, um, you know, that mention other things, as you mentioned, whosoever believeth and is baptized shall be saved, we must understand those fewer passages in light of understanding the Bible as not being contradictory as not saying somehow that those additional elements are required. Otherwise, a person trusting on God's promises in these other places mm-hmm. um, have, have, you know, will show up at heaven saying, God, I trusted you based on John 3.16, and now you're pulling out this other verse that adds something, right? Sure. And I don't believe that's going to happen on Judgment Day. Right. And so um, to tie it back to my original point is you got to go to where the Word says, and what does Jesus say about little children have not been baptized? He says, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And so your faith needs something to hold on to, and you need to hold on to a promise because you're going to believe either that God is going to, to, to bring wrath and judgment upon you and 
part of um, contrition is recognizing that you deserve that. But it's not repentance unless there's also faith that clings to the promise of God's mercy. And especially for someone who is an innocent, a child, well, Scripture gives plenty of promises that God is not going to abandon them to hell. Does that, does that answer your question? Yes. Okay. Yep. So, uh, well, first of all, Sarah, could you open a window before the knowledge or in, in here busts? I, the <laughs> I was going to say, I kind of feel like, yep, I, this whole week I've been saying, I'm like, yep, Brian and I are here for comedic relief. And yep, pretty much. <laughs> Uh, By the yeah. way, I don't know if you folks can hear it, but the uh, the emergency <laughs> alert system is going off in the background. I shut oh, the I can't hear Otherwise, it. Otherwise, it's very loud. So I, I heard something, uh, it, almost like you're picking up a well another radio station is kind of yeah. <laughs> kind of what it sounded like. So uh, yeah, I, I I think that uh, answers the question very well. And, and uh, Grandma, I hope uh, I hope that that answered it for you. Um, and I'm sure we'll be talking sometime about that. Ryan, can I just quick say thank you for simplifying that it's just your grandma because we had Dell on here a couple weeks ago, probably a couple months ago now. And it was like 10 minutes figuring out the family tree. Yeah. Well, exactly. So right. You cut out the middleman there. <laughs> How are you related to Dell? Did <laughs> we ever figure that out? No, no I, that's uh, we're going to need a bigger whiteboard than the one that we have here. <laughs> so Joshua, I'm curious about like when you, when you research a denomination and, and dig into it, I mean, um, a big part of it is learning to understand their perspective. And again, that's one thing that I love about your, your YouTube channel. Uh, you, you really do that. And I think you do it well. Um, how much, how much research time goes into a denomination before you uh, record one of your, your videos? Yeah, that can, that can vary uh, a, a whole lot depending on the type of denomination. For, for example, I think of when I was researching Churches of Christ. Uh, Church of Christ is another group that is not confessional. Uh, you know, they don't have, they, they, they very much resist any statement, established statement of faith. And so it's really hard because they don't want to, you, know, you can, you can find out what an individual church believes perhaps, but there's not anything there. So for confessional denomination, or when I think of these Methodist groups that have a book of discipline that says like absolutely everything, mm -hmm. I can almost just go to one document and have the whole thing there. Uh, there's a few certain things that I try to discuss on every video. And some, some of those are harder to find because people don't want to put it as their primary thing. You know, they don't want it to be, um, it to be a distinctive of who they are. So they might not list as much about sometimes maybe divorce and remarriage or whether they believe in a tithe and things like that. Although I found with some groups, you know, it's really plain. So that makes it easy. But um, the more decentralized uh, a group is, the more difficult it is. I've, I made one on Bible churches, you know, just churches to say Bible church, which is really mostly non-denominational and some loosely held similarities. And eventually I'm going to do a video on non-denominational altogether. But I just, you could say I'm in the process right now for weeks and months of putting that one together as I, you know, just continue to run into various things. Uh, so there's some things I resist making a video on quickly because it'll take a long, long time. Um, and uh, other ones have been more easy. Uh, there, there have been times where I started researching a denomination and, and put in several hours a day for just two or three days and was able to, to come out with it. The, the recording of the video and making graphics and things takes longer, but the research part, sometimes that happens. But other ones, um, you know, it's been weeks and months of, of study before being able to produce something that, uh, that I think accurately reflects what those denominations believe. And also the smaller they are, there, there are denominations with no internet presence at all. Sure. Um, and, you know, there's no church websites where you can try to find some little facts. It, it becomes at some point the impossibility unless you actually contact and, and get stuff from the people themselves. So what did, what was the um, experience of, of trying to investigate or research Lutheran congregations and mission for Christ? Um, because we are a decentralized association of, of congregations. Yeah, prior to, to discussing LCMC, uh, a couple of years ago, I made just a video on confessional Lutheranism. And I mean, that that helps that, you know, there are confessions that you're holding to. So, you know, you can find a lot from that, or at least you expect not too much of a drift away from that theology. Um, so that's a start. And there are some things that have been stated in uh, statements from LCMC, not a whole lot at this point. 
obviously. But that that was, you know, a little bit more difficult. And, you know, as you watch the video, you'll notice I make a lot of reference to individual congregations. Um, so that means digging up a whole bunch of church websites. And whenever I would try to find one position on something that I couldn't clearly find an answer, I always try to do the opposite. So, okay, I found somebody who believes this. Now let's see, can I find anybody who believes it the other way? And then as, as soon as you find both, you know, there's at least latitude for both. If you find all one and not the other, there's a strong indication that it's going to be one particular way. Mm -hmm. And then the more you start finding statements, even things where people uh, have like blog posts from uh, church pastors who say, you know, we, we don't tolerate such and such, you know, okay, so you start to see the flavor that's there, even if unwritten, um, you know, what you're going to expect. So uh, I would say LCMC was... Um, certainly not the hardest. There were there's been several that were more difficult, uh, but it was not nearly as straightforward as as groups that have everything systematized out there either. Uh, I had a lot of motivation to do it. I had some people that been requesting LCMC, um, uh, and I've been interested just recently. Been putting out a lot of ones on Lutheran denominations as a whole, anyway. And so the, the more motivated a person is, and, and right now this year, I've just been motivated to make these videos. I've been enjoying it and enjoying seeing other people find it useful. Mm -hmm. uh, it makes it makes it easy. So I can sit down on the couch and, uh, you know, get out my laptop and start digging in and and uh, the hours can just go away. And then all of a sudden, you know, my wife's there and, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I need to get back in the real world. So. <laughs> <laughs> Has anything... Uh really surprised you or was like, wow, I had no idea when you're researching any particular denomination? I was actually thinking just yesterday, uh, I should make a video eventually of some things that are, are interesting, that kind of caught me off guard. Um, one of them was when I discovered that the Bible Methodist connection of churches, uh, women are not permitted to cut their hair, but they can be pastors, which I thought that's, you know, that's probably not very huh. many denominations that have that combination, right? Um, and, you know, I had actually, before I started researching denominations, I had never heard of exclusive psalmody like is practiced in the Associate Reformed Presbyterian Church, where they will only sing the biblical psalms in worship. They will not make any hymns or anything else, and their acapella as well. So that was something that was kind of interesting. I mean, some of those things, it's just a result of not being around certain groups as much as others. And there may be some things, you know, I grew up in, in Iowa, we were around Amish all the time. Mm -hmm. And so there's some things that would probably be pretty surprising to some people about, you know, Amish or um, conservative Mennonite groups that, you know, it's, I, I probably haven't made as much of a point when I discuss those groups, because that's just the way I always saw it being. But those are a couple of interesting things that stood out as I if I had more time to think on it, I might remember some more things that have just, whoa, that's really interesting. Um, I guess one of the big things is, you, as I uh, have studied absolutely non-confessional groups, the the, the uh, most progressive edge is just to see, you know, how progressive it eventually becomes in some of the more progressive denominations are surprising to me. To, but, you know, in some sense, not too surprising that we've had a couple hundred years now at this point of things trending in that direction in those denominations. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that's kind of where it stands. Wow. So, so I mentioned before that, that uh, Baptists and Lutherans are very similar in that we have a thousand different flavors of the same denomination. <laughs> uh, wh what, what type of Baptist are you? Yeah. So I'm an independent Baptist, which means technically it, all that means is independent and Baptist. You know, there is yeah. no website that represents independent Baptists. There's no central group. There's nobody who certifies our pastors, nobody who says, you know, who can start it or who can't. Anybody, you know, a Mormon could call themselves an independent Baptist if they wanted to, and nobody could stop them because there's nobody to stop them, right? Sure. So because of that, there are people who call, you know, I'm aware of groups that call themselves independent Baptists that are even non-Trinitarian. Um, so, you know, but but I'm not in their company, right? We're just independent. So they're just as on their own as anybody else. Now there are, uh, there do develop camps. You might say that's what often the term is used, you know, where sure we're independent, but a lot of us buy books from this pastor or that pastor, or, you know, we, a lot of us send our students to these particular um, Bible colleges. So among independent Baptists, you have groups that are, um, you know, you have King James Version only, you have King James Version Preferred, you have, uh, you know, Version's Not a Relevant sure. um, Divider. You have uh, other groups that uh, local church only, you have Universal Church 
accepting Baptists. That's eventually it starts dividing on the lines of specific theological groups. Mm -hmm. And so then you have people who follow um, West Coast Baptist College, which is a, a large independent Baptist college on the West Coast. You have Baptists that send a lot of students to Bob Jones University. And then there are some independent Baptists who send kids to Liberty University, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's where I land. So uh, my, my father, he um, is a Baptist pastor. He's now currently a missionary to Liberia uh, as of this year. Um, so went out there in the middle of COVID, which was pretty Yeah, nice. right. <laughs> hope he's, uh, hope so he's that, safe. That's a, that's a, yeah, quite an experience there. Um, but um, we were part of a independent Baptist fellowship, which is what they we have like just so people can get together although they're not united by any you know specific requirement to uh, hold to a doctrinal statement um so those groups there's like normally by states and so we were part of an iowa fellowship and then a wisconsin fellowship and and so forth Mm -hmm. so it is hard i mean independent baptist if i if i were just trying to make a video like anything else about independent baptist you know i've made a ton of videos on independent baptist versus others because it's easy to point out the differences but if i were to try to nail down independent baptist it may be one of the most difficult ones and so i actually (laughs) haven't made a video just straight up what are independent baptists because it is tough like that that was that's a tough one to um to nail down but we are you know there's a lot of similarities uh, especially when you talk on the the broad level, like what a Baptist believes, there are a lot of similarities with the Southern Baptist Convention. I mean, mm-hmm. we'd obviously be more in line with the Southern Baptist Convention than we would be with American Baptist churches, which is on the more from 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 the Independent Baptist perspective on the more liberal end. Although I recognize that a lot of people would not call American Baptists liberal, mm-hmm. um, so we would we would be more similar to Southern Baptists, but there, we are more conservative than that. Uh, independent Baptists are commonly referred to as independent fundamental Baptists because we are almost entirely fundamentalist. And, you know, you can that's another one that's tough to nail down the definition on that. Mm-hmm. But there are definitely those who would uh, would not want to hold that title within the Southern Baptist Convention. I do have a video on my channel that compares independent Baptists to Southern Baptists, and that would probably be the best one to to watch if anybody wanted to find out really um, something that would nail down what independent Baptists believe because it takes a more well-known group and then starts dividing and, and separating things out there. Yeah, sure. I mean, if you think about LCMC, um, we, we would be independent from the ELCA. Uh, you, you know, all of our, our, our alphabet soup, so I don't have to explain <laughs> yeah, yeah. this to everybody. Yeah, ELCA, LCMS, LCMC, WNLS. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, LCMC would be really an association of independent churches. So it's yeah. it's kind of that type of um, structure, if you will. It's very flat. It's not there's not a hierarchy. So it's um, one thing I wanted to ask you about. So when I was in, um, I, I've been all over the country like you. Uh, I served a church in Philadelphia, and in Philadelphia, there's a couple of Lutherans and a whole lot of Catholics. Uh, that was my perspective. Then I, w- I lived down south in, in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I lived in, in this place called Rowan County. And if you looked at a map and said, well, where are all the Lutherans in North Carolina? Rowan County would be like a bright blue, and there'd be one other spot that would be bright blue. And then you're like, oh, that's kind of cool. Now, I wonder where all the Baptists are. The entire state would turn black. <laughs> so what I, my question for you is that you, you're kind of in the in the ghetto of Lutherans and Catholics in the United States. This is they're they're very centralized here. What's it like being Baptist in a in an area that's very Lutheran and Catholic as far as Christians are concerned? Yeah, absolutely. I mean that's the that's the story. I mean Baptists down in the South. And if you don't like your Baptist church, you just walk halfway down the block and you find another <laughs> that's one. Right. And I mean, that's really the case that it is certainly with ELCA churches up here. And I mean, there's a lot of the other representations that are popular in Minnesota, particularly in North Dakota. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, as being a Baptist up here, I, I never lived in the Bible Belt. Uh, so I've never <sighs> lived where it's the highest density. But Iowa, there's a lot of Baptists there um, for sure. And, you know, Washington, not not so much as well. But Baptists are uh, a very large uh, percentage, uh, you know, of what would be called Protestant Christianity by most in, in the United States as a whole. So you do find, a, you yeah. know, it's not like there's very many places where there's just no Baptists. Right. Um, but yeah, up here, one difference is as independent Baptists, we're evangelistic. You know, our church does send people door to door. We knock on people's doors. We hand out tracts. Sometimes we'll, we'll talk to people. Um, mm-hmm. 
And the expectation of who you're going to run into at the door is certainly very different, right? Sure. Uh, you're going to, and, and it, it is like, it's mostly Catholics and, and Lutherans. And then, you know, you could probably take a, uh, a little chunk otherwise, and just put everybody else into that basket, because that's basically what you run into up here. Yep. Um, so, and because of that, it's very impressive, if you want to use a term like impressive, that a, a church of any size, a Baptist church can be a size like Fargo Baptist Church is. Yeah. Um, whereas in the South, it's like you could you could start a church and and really a mega church pastor is not very surprising down there. <laughs> um, but it takes work. It takes work for a Baptist church to to grow up in the North. And in fact, before Fargo Baptist Church was started in 1987, there were a lot of attempts on on getting a Baptist work that really didn't uh, turn out so well. And at this point, there are you know over 10 various flavors of Baptist churches here in the Fargo-Moorhead area. So it's not like we're not present in, in different kinds, but yeah, the, I, I probably can't provide as much perspective from somebody who's actually lived in Alabama uh, or Texas uh, about, you know, how Baptists would feel down there. Although one thing that is interesting within the church is because of where a lot of people have come from, the services will seem different. Like Baptist, mm -hmm. a lot of Baptist services in the South are would actually be at this point probably seem a little bit too you could use a word like it would almost seem a little too little liturgical for me right uh, i mean uh -huh. like we have, we have an organ in, in our church and we don't have praise bands and and things like that and, they're too rambunctious um, down there <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean and we don't you don't use like somebody's not going to come to the pulpit and sing a southern baptist you know uh a, a, a song with, um, you know, all the Southern music and you know, sure. a couple of guitars and stuff. So because of that, you know, if you're, if we're up here and people who come to our church may have a Lutheran or Catholic background, if everybody's just shouting amen, you know, in the middle of the service and, you know, somebody's running up and down an aisle or something, you know, the church is never going to grow that way. Right. <laughs> and so Northern Baptist being not, not in the term, uh, but just being in the North is they're is very Scandinavian. Those Northern Baptists, very Scandinavian, upper, upper Midwestern yeah, Baptist. <laughs> Baptist. Don't you know? <laughs> I love it. That's great. That's what I, that's what I thought. No, I, I, that was, that was kind of my, my feeling. Cause that was my experience in other parts of the country. It's like, well, we're all Christian, but boy, uh, you guys are legion here and we're just, uh, kind of doing our thing. Um, and, and you're right. It's, it's, you, you end up being your church, your denomination is usually united in its confession, whatever it is that it, it believes, whether it's an, an official confession that's written, but then you have the actual kind of life of the church, the spirit of the church, if you will. And that is reflective and should be to the culture around it because that's your mission field. Right. So, yeah. Very yeah. Cool. Yeah. And, and that's that, unfortunately probably in Baptists, uh, as opposed to other groups at sometimes there have been things that are more cultural that have become tests of fellowship. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, there are groups where, you know, if the church collapsed and they say, Oh, you know, we're not going <coughs> to affiliate with the church that, that collapsed following an instrumental special or something like that. Sure. Um, you know, some things that are just, that's universal, my friend, that happens in every denomination, not just, uh, <laughs> Baptists, the Lutherans do that too. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, as can be seen, as you said, by the alphabet soup, there are, there are differences <laughs> there, but there are unfortunately some, uh, some areas that have become, uh, you know, you can just keep dividing it further and further. There was some exactly. comedian, you've probably heard that, that joke about how they just keep dividing it further and further. And, you know, which convention are you part of? And eventually, you know, he throws the guy off the bridge because he just divided in that smallest point. So. <laughs> but yeah, I recognize that there, those divisions do happen everywhere. Yeah. Very good. Cool. Well, uh, Joshua, where, where can people find you? Where can they find your, uh, do you have some websites that uh, you can throw out there for, for the folks? Yeah, well, probably the biggest place that you will run into anything that I'm actually producing at this point is just my Ready to Harvest YouTube channel. So I do have readytoharvest.com, um, which is where I post the videos and, and also the text. I script all my videos out because I want to be really accurate. I don't want to say something off the cuff that isn't right. So I do have a script of all of them, too. And if you just search on YouTube, Ready to Harvest, uh, the word to is T-O, Ready to Harvest, um, you'll find me as the top result there. And, um, and that's, you know, I, I do have a podcast, as you mentioned, which is mostly just audio versions of my videos. I found 
I was realizing, hey, you can just listen to a lot of videos instead of watching it. I bet people, you know, do it with with you guys, you know, stuff. You're, of course, being a podcast. So I've just done that. It's nothing uh, especially special. But if a person wants to, they can try searching Ready to Harvest on their favorite podcast app too, and they'll find me there. And then I'm on Facebook, Ready to Harvest Official. Cool. Very, very well done. Yeah. So um, would uh, would you mind uh, uh, or would, would anybody mind praying us out today? I can pray. Okay. I, I, I feel like I want to pray. Okay. Good to pray when you want to pray. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for this conversation. I thank you for Joshua being able to join us. And I, I pray, Lord, that you would bless his ministry and that you would bless this ministry that um, uh, we've created uh, 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 a conversation that sheds more light than heat on um, the differences amongst Christians and that uh, regardless of what denominational affiliation a person uh, feels most comfortable in, it's the language of faith that they speak, uh, that all Christians everywhere are united in Christ. Um, United in Christ and his salvation, what he has done for us on the cross. May that burn brightly in in the hearts of everyone who hears this prayer and is a part of this prayer. May they be filled with the Holy Spirit and know your love and know your goodness. Um, all this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. If you are looking for a, a place to worship this weekend, we've got our normal services at 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. on Sunday. You can find them at atonementfargo.org, atonement.live, or by searching Atonement Fargo on YouTube. So, Joshua, thank you again so much for coming in. For Sarah DeYoung, Pastor DJ Lura, I am Ryan Janke, and you can join us again next time for another riveting episode of that podcast. I almost didn't do that last time because <laughs> you weren't here. You must have do the riveting? Yeah. Uh, Josh.